0: From Integral Life, welcome to Everyone Is Right. An athlete
1: could be incredibly attuned to the the workings of their physical body, but be devoid (laughs) of anything relative to the subtle realm. The emotional embodiment could be absent, even like say yoga practitioners. It's hard to know, is like, are we just inhabiting certain physical postures, or is there something deeper going on there
0: too? What is the integral approach to embodiment, and how is it different from other approaches? How does embodiment practice help facilitate more resiliency, more presence, and more trust? Why is embodiment important for the integral community as a whole? And what makes integral success different from conventional definitions of success? Today, we are talking to Ryan Olke, a gifted integral coach, co-founder of Buddhist Geeks, and the creator of our incredible new training program, Embodied Success. Listen as Ryan and I enjoy a far-ranging discussion about integral embodiment, self-actualization, and the call to make a meaningful impact in the world. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. My name is Corey DeVos. I am freshly bald again. And uh, I'm here uh, with my very good friend, Ryan Olke. Ryan, how you doing, man?
1: Good, man. Very nice to be talking to you, as always.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for our conversation today because we are today going to be talking about, well, a couple different things, but all sort of revolving around your new program that we just recently launched on Integral Life called Embodied Success. Mm -hmm. So I figured what we would do today is we would basically talk about two things, embodiment and success. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a pretty, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, and Ryan, before we begin, I was thinking, um, you know, one thing we could do is, you know, oftentimes when I start doing these kinds of interviews and dialogues, um, I feel a little bit frazzled. Yeah. You know, I could, I could oftentimes use a little bit of of dropping in and, and yeah, totally coming into my body a bit. So I was thinking maybe you could just lead us, um, all of us on a practice for a few minutes and all of us kind of ground ourselves a little bit. Yeah,
1: that'd be great. And you know, one thing to mention, Corey, real quick, um, as we discussed about this chat is for anybody listening, um, I think what we're going to talk about today, especially like embodiment, it's going to apply to everybody, whether or not, you know, you have your own business or doing your own projects. So I encourage anybody who's listening to to keep on listening and don't think that uh, this is just going to be about entrepreneurship. I think we're going to talk about a lot of cool stuff today. So, uh, and then for this practice, um, before we do, we'll just do a short thing. You know, we could practice for 30 minutes or so, but we'll, we'll save more time for talking. Um, <clears throat> embodiment is multi-layered, you know, in, in terms of meditation practices. So we're just going to do something really simple, a nice starter, uh, but to know that there would be more we could explore this to really get a sense of what it means to practice um, embodiment. And of course, we'll talk about what we even mean when we say that. So anyways, that's a little just preface uh, before we do this. So to start, just notice that we're sitting here, and in particular, take a moment to arrive to even notice the rooms that we're in. And for anybody watching, wherever you might be, to take in your environment a little bit. You're not doing anything with what you see or what you hear, but just to get a sense that you are right here wherever you're at in a physical location. And when you feel even just a little bit of this being present exactly where you're at, then you can close your eyes. And feel the contact your feet are making with the floor or whatever's beneath you. Really feel the physical contact that your feet are making. You can also feel the connection that your sits bones, your legs are making with what you're seated on, chair or cushion. Really paying attention to the physical sensations your body is making and contacting what's beneath you. And this sensing and noticing is more of an invitation. This doesn't need to be perfect. Just as much as you're able to allow and invite yourself to be right here and to notice this physical contact. And now start to notice your breathing. You don't need to do anything with your breath. You don't need to change it. Just notice however it is in this moment. Noticing with curiosity and some compassion. Breath might be slow, fast, deep, shallow, short breaths, long breaths. Just noticing how we are in this moment with our breath. Notice your breathing on the outside of your body. In particular, how your skin moves against your clothes. Whatever physical sensations you notice on the surface of your body. Notice your breathing on the inside of your body, in the internal depths of your body. How the breath moves through you. How the breath moves through your nose, your mouth, your throat. In particular, how your lungs and chest feel, expanding, contracting the internal depths of your midsection expanding and contracting. Now, take a slow inhalation, bringing your inhalation to the center of your body, the very core, the internal depth of your body. Making deep inward contact with yourself. Let your exhale release wherever it wants to go. And do this a couple more times. Now, bring your attention back to your feet, your lower body, any of the contact points your lower body and feet are making with what's beneath you. And as you inhale, see if you can maintain this awareness and contact with your lower body and what's beneath you so that your inhale doesn't lift you up out of those points. And if this is challenging, that's okay. You just notice that with curiosity. Again, this is an invitation. Now you can let this practice go and just sit for a moment, just as you are, you don't need to focus on anything or do anything in particular, just being And slowly opening your eyes again just notice that we're right here wherever we're at in this room taking a couple more breaths okay i don't have a bell but we're done <laughs> no
0: that was really that was i don't know how long that was i don't know if that was too
1: long but uh
0: no, that was, that was perfect. That was perfect. No. And, and thank you, Ryan. And, um, you know, I think it's important that we actually offered people a taste of this experience to mm-hmm. jump into the conversation.
1: Yeah. But, and, uh, uh-huh. oh, go ahead. Oh, well, it's funny because, uh, we either have to do a practice first or we talk about things and then we practice, but one way or another, it's hard to get the fullness of this. And I, this practice was emphasizing physicality, a somatic, physical experience but when we're going to talk about this it's going to include much more than that but in this day and age just in this world we live in that's usually the harder <laughs> aspect uh, with whatever embodiment points to and then especially um being people who are lovers of integral you know um, we can um be working out in the realm of the mind so to balance it with the, the body is important but just uh, wanted to note that
0: no it's that's, that's exactly right <clears throat> like most other Integral conversations—it um, it tends to be a bit heavy, right? It can yep. get it can pretty abstract uh, pretty quickly, and especially when we're talking about things like embodiment. You know, one of the things that strikes me, Ryan, is that there are any number of ways that we can have an integral conversation about, yep. about embodiment, and <clears throat> that conversation can range from you know really highly complex, very detailed. I mean, there's there's yeah. any number of aqua elements that we can throw on the table, some of which we'll go through in just a moment. On the other hand, you know, the actual experience and practice of embodiment, it's, it's, it's so simple. It's, it's almost, it's too simple. It's one of those things where it's simple to a fault and we can get so sort of lost in, in how we cognize these states that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and so I I know we're going to mention, um, your chat with Ken, which this video is not live at the time of this recording. Um, but, uh, it's a fantastic conversation. It was so awesome to hear Kim talk about his uh, perspectives and uh, theories on integral embodiment. Um, And one of the things he started off saying was that um, embodiment can be a term that the green, uh, and I actually forget if colors have changed. So you're going to have to remind me because I ingrained the old school colors. Green is still green. Yeah. um, But uh, that, that's a term that that that, um, value system really likes. And it usually means that head is bad, heart's good. And that's a really important thing to mention because that is not what we mean here. And actually one of the things, a really simple way that I see people fragmenting their experience, um, particularly on social media, is, is a comment like that. Like, oh, my head is saying all this stuff, but my heart says this. Or my head says this, but my heart says this, but my soul says this. There's always like one thing that's more right than the other. And that's just, that's a fragmentation. So our, we have a mind and the mind is part of our embodied existence. And so it's great. So I want to make sure we're really clear here that there is no problem at all. And actually there's no problem in uh, being in the head. In fact, we want to include the mind. We just don't want to do that at the exclusion of other aspects of our being. So, but here, you know, um, in this community, we're going to be flexing the mind quite a lot. So, <laughs> Yeah.
0: That's right. And it's an important point that the mind, I mean, this is sort of the post metaphysical move that Ken makes in his work is that the mind is always embodied. There is no machine over here and a ghost over there. The the ghost is the machine. Yes. (laughs) Always embodied. And, and so, you know, which I think opens us up Ryan to some of the, some of the ways that I have seen integral folks talking about embodiment in the past. And it is, it's a very, um, there's a lot of complexity that we can bring to the conversation. So yep. when I was talking to Ken, yep. I, wanted, you know, I wanted his help to basically try to sort through uh, some of that complexity. So yep. you know, what I asked him, I, th- I basically threw a whole bunch of, of integral elements on the table and said, you know, all of this seems to be related in some way to embodiment. Can you tie this together? And he did, you know, really, really masterfully. It's, it was Yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. By the end of it, I, I think I told him, like, I've, I've got a tear in my eye right now. Yeah, yeah, it was great, yeah. It was a powerful transmission. But, you know, some of the things that we can talk about with embodiment is, is you know, first off, and perhaps most most simply, there is basic gross body awareness. What mm-hmm. we mean by gross body is the physical body, the body um, that can be perceived with and, and does the perceiving through the five senses. And... Mm-hmm. You know, this is an important place to start because, precisely because this is where most people's definitions of embodiment actually ends.
1: Yeah. Only physical right.
0: body awareness. Right. Cut off from all of these other, you know, cut off right. from, from power, cut off from mind, cut off, you know. Yes. Sort of seen as its own kind of kind of bucket. Yeah. But then actually broadens that conversation to say, well, okay, well, not only is there gross body embodiment, which, which is important, but there's yep. also subtle yes. embodiment, subtle yep. body. And causal yep. body, embodiment. Uh-huh. All yep. of the bodies that are part of our being yep. come with their own type of energy, with their own yeah. type of, of uh vitality, with their mm-hmm. own type of you know. Oftentimes, their own types of resistances and allergies and addictions and and etc. Yes. Um, so even just here, even just by expanding our definition of the word body, yeah. we can see that there is so much more yes. at play here.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Um, and then we've got, you know, lines of development. We've got yeah. Ken, a couple episodes ago, he, um, he mentioned how the kinesthetic line of development, which we often associate with like, oh, that's how, you know, Michael Jordan is able to, to, to do his, his amazing slam dunks, and, yes. you know, right. a sort of this performance-based line yes. of development, when it actually has um, as much to do with, with how much embodiment we can bring, uh, yeah. our, you know, bring awareness to. Um, yes. is, is oftentimes defined by our kinesthetic line of development. Yeah, right, right. And then we've got our emotional line of development, our spiritual line of development, possibly others yep. too. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to throw it all on the on the board here, and I'm going to ask you to to clean it up the same way I asked. No, you. this is fantastic. Yeah. Um, then you've got you know the idea of sort of ascending versus descending currents of spirituality, where mm. ascending currents of spirituality are traditionally very, um, they tend to negate things like uh, you know. Uh, physical sensuality, um, you know, a lot of the drives that come with the body, it tends to uh, try to um, reduce the influence of things like sex and money and power. That's all a very sort of ascending current of spirituality. And mm-hmm. then there's a descending current of spirituality, which you know, oftentimes kind of embraces a lot of that. And when left to its own devices can you know, kind of appear sort of hedonistic yeah Uh, in fact but but you know obviously i think an integral conversation about embodiment is going to reconcile both of those of those currents yeah um another one i like to take is the one two three of god i mean in a certain sort of simple kind of way um you know all embodiment really is is infusing our third person being in the world with our first person illumination and insight and wisdom. And and what have you, mm-hmm. which then leads us to another definition of embodiment, which is simply our overall capacity to show up in our own cosmic address, whatever that cosmic address might be, with yeah. all of its strengths, with all of its limitations, mm-hmm. but to simply show up in that cosmic address uh, yeah. as, as again as fully as you possibly can, and and then you know to actually be able to make some sort of dent somewhere in the cosmos, yes. somewhere in the universe, being able to make a difference, being able to exert your will and expand your influence and, yeah. um, and you know, hopefully bring a bit of, of healing and, and more yeah. embodiment to the people around us. Yeah. So it's a big issue, and it touches Don't a we. lot of aspects of our being. And I wanted to ask you, what yeah. is your sort of, how do you cut through yeah. that complexity um, to, yeah. to your enactment of embodiment?
1: Yeah. Corey, thanks. That was great um, recap. Uh, We had technical difficulties, so now I'm wearing big ass headphones that are just over the top. But this is what I got. Okay, so Corey, yeah, thank you for the the overview. That's fantastic. I think you did a great job uh, of pointing out um, both really nice references points for um, for integral embodiment and of what Ken mentioned. And so there's a lot to talk about here. Um, A couple little quotes um, from one of uh, my mentors that i've always loved Uh, one was uh, don't worry it's just everything and everyone happening all at once (laughs) which is sort of a visceral way of, of talking about the complexity you know and then the other thing is wherever there's experience there's a body and that's what kim was pointing to that there wherever there's an experience there's some body so it might be a causal experience and there's causal body right so i think those are yeah two fun uh points So now there's two things we have to distinguish here. One is the skillful means and practical, pragmatic side of living, you know, and living our experience and and embodiment, and then the map and reference points we use. So the map and reference points, that's necessarily complex because our lived experience is both complex and mysterious and it's it's wonderful. but in terms of where we're at any given day and what our practice is, almost always it's simple. It needs to be simple because we can only practice and inhabit so much at any given time, especially if we're, we're incorporating new um, awareness, new um, lived experience. So the interesting thing is like when I'm talking practically to somebody, I'm gonna simplify things a whole bunch because what I'm caring about is helping that person to develop wherever they're at. So, and wherever they're at, they, they could have five different aspects they're working on. Maybe they could be working on subtle body embodiment. Maybe they could be working on trauma in the emotional realm. Maybe they could be working on being more attentive to their physical gross body. But you can, one of the things that I think happens with integral folks like us is we can get overwhelmed incredibly quickly because we're, we are holding a lot. We definitely see all of these aspects of our being and we're like, holy shit, here's all this stuff. I gotta, I gotta be present and deal with all of it. But then what happens is we get so overwhelmed because we have limits to our, to our lived existence. Mm -hmm. Um, Some aspects of our, of our being is limitless, but most part we have lots of limits and we can only um, work on things so much. So, There's certain things when I talk about embodiment, which would be simple, but that's because it's on the skillful mean side of things. And uh, one phrase that I have been using last year that I then end up hearing Ken mention. I think it's maybe in the title of his new book or a new book he's working on. And that's uh, the phrase I've had is there's room for everything. Mm -hmm. And I think he's the title for his is making room for everything. Yeah. So there's something simple about that too. And that's Mm -hmm. what we're doing practically is making more room for all of our experience and being present to it. But um, yeah, so partly I like to break down this map. We can talk about these maps, you know, we can get into any of the things you discussed. And that's helpful to give us a reference point to know that, for example, the gross somatic body, there's an, a- an athlete could be incredibly attuned to the, the workings of their physical body, but be devoid <laughs> of anything relative to the subtle realm. The emotional embodiment could be absent even like, say, yoga practitioners, it's hard to know. Is like, are we just in, uh, inhabiting certain physical postures, or is there something deeper going on there, too? And that's really a tricky one on a side note is that, like, because yoga has the spiritual roots, people could be doing this and thinking that they are working on embodiment on, on more subtle levels, but really not um, diving deep enough. It's really staying at the level of gross, you know, of uh, gross body. So I think what's helpful here in talking about this map is to just give us that reference point of saying like, where do I intuitively feel I need some work or that I'm feeling called to, you know, because there's two aspects here. One, I feel pain and I want to look at that pain and resolve that and free up more of myself, free up more of my experience. And then other times maybe we're just called to it. It's like fascinating to us and we want to dive into that and we haven't yet. And then this map can give us clear reference points and distinguish things. And particularly, I love the gross, subtle, causal, non-dual map. You know, that's a really nice, easy map to follow. So, um, one thing I want to say is that I tend to use the physical body as a reference point and to include it always as a starting point, again, because it's uh, so easy to overlook. Um, but I'm we're doing it in a light way. So, for example, the meditation we just did, we're not, it's not granular, you know, we're not, um, we're also not working with like actual physical movement, but we are touching base with it because otherwise I feel like we can easily get into that experiences of spiritual bypassing or in, in the, in, in hopes of embodying something else, but then we're creating problems along the way. So I think one of the things you can do in integral embodiment is, is create fewer problems on your path of embodiment. If you're staying aware of how much is included in our experience and then just consciously choose, okay, right now, this is what I'm working on. You know, I'm not working on gross body too much. I'm working on subtle body, you know, that's where I'm at. Okay, great. Or I'm working on emotional embodiment. Great. That'll be helpful. Then there's a whole discussion about how all these things intertwine, you know, and uh, let me see, can I hear you?
0: Oh, yep. Yeah. Yes, hear you? I can.
1: Yes. Um, so, uh, but for the body, you know, I like the body as a reference point, at least to start talking about this, because there's a sense of a tangible sense of I amness and it's pretty persistent. And I mean, we might not be, we might not be persistently aware of our physical body, but the thing is, is like, my body, it's, like, I mean, in an interesting way, it's one of the things that will change the most, you know, from birth to death. Yep. Um, but, uh, it's, it has this, you know, my hand is going to look like this for the next hour. If I hold it here, it maintains its shape. It's here, you know? And so I like that persistence of the body. And that's an experience that I want to cultivate and others to help, help them cultivate that anywhere on this map of integral embodiment. So subtle body, there's, you know, for example, there's a the realization and insight that, I have a subtle body that there is a subtle realm experience. And so I clearly, that's an insight. It's like, boom, I know that that exists. Boom, I know the causal body. Boom, I know non-duality. But then there's the persistence and depth and breadth of those experiences on all those levels. Uh, and similarly, in terms of lines of development, you know, how deeply you know, we've developed and how strong that inhabiting of that level is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so here it is like, how much is this my experience? How much is this the world I live in? You know, it's, so it's not just a simple check it off the box, you know, like, okay, I had a subtle, subtle body experience, check. Okay, I do some emotional work, check. It's like, what does it mean for my life? That's another important bit. It's like, how does this impact my life?
0: Well.
1: Yeah, it's back. I don't know why, I don't, my computer's being weird, so I apologize for well,
0: any editing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I'm kind of bouncing around here giving different angles on like what I mean for embodiment and why it's important. But here the biggest thing is like less fragmentation, more cohesiveness, more persistence in my experience, um, a more full experience. And then there's in, in a simple breakdown of a, of a Um, So a simple breakdown here is that there are things that are just persistent. And if we want to use the word absolute, You know, I try not to get too abstract with this. I want this to be lived experience. But for example, um, a pervasive openness, spaciousness is part of our experience. Mm -hmm. Um, The fact that there is form, right? Emptiness and form. This just seems to be part of this reality of life. Um, Impermanence, change, you know, so there's certain things that just seem to be consistent that it's really important to realize and embody, and that changes how we live our life. So for example, gross, subtle, causal, non-dual, these are all true at the same time, right? And these are different layers of our experience. Now, you know, in the gross, there's change happening in different forms and subtle realm, there can be different things happening. Um, but uh, so there's there's that. In, in a certain sense, that's a waking up and realizing, you know, like, okay, this is true. And this is my lived experience. And then there are things that just are constantly unfolding. So we're this paradox, you know, of things that, seem to never change and things that do change. And um, so that's why it's also interesting to define embodiment, you know what I mean, because we could favor one side or the other, you know, uh, when we talk about that, but for me, I include both. And of course, all the things you mentioned about the integral maps and models includes all of that. So where we put, what bucket we put one of those things in, you know, uh, right. there's a right. lot we put in there and a lot more nuance and reference points.
0: Right. Well, and one of the things I'm noticing Ryan is that, you know, of that entire list that I gave when yeah. it came to the actual practice of embodiment that you offered us in the beginning of of, of the interview yes uh, everything i named is completely secondary to that so when you're yes. actually practicing embodiment it's not like you're you know oh there's my there's my spiritual line of development oh yes my emotional line. oh here's yep. my ascending current of spiritual life. all of this is secondary in a certain yes. kind of way for us to make sense of that very simple experience of embodiment which is basically bring awareness to the following things and with it and see what happens. Um, It's, it's, it's one of the most simple practices you can have. And yet the the ways that we can unpack this, I mean, it's a very multifaceted experience and that's not to say that these, that these integral considerations aren't important. It's just to say they're not primary to the actual sort of signified, you know, the the actual experience. Yes. And yes. you also mentioned skillful means and how you yes. talk about embodiment differently, uh, depending on who, who's sitting in front yes. of you. Yep. And one of the things I noticed is that all of those secondary sort of items, whether mm. it's your lines of development or your, your particular form of worship, whether it's for a second or third person, yep. Yep. Um, all of these can inform your skillful means. All yes. of these can actually give you sort of a, a channel to talk about what embodiment is in a slightly different way so that you can, as you said, meet people where they are yes. and actually speak to their strengths and to sort of, you know, yeah. and metaphors and reference points that they're already familiar with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we, ha- I g- uh, yeah, again, we have these maps to be, ha- to be helpful, to help us, to, to help us orient when we need it. You know, but then once we were oriented and it, all the things you listed off, it gives us a plethora of things we could work on. So automatically, bam, here's this nice, neat model and use it for a doorway into your own experience and then get to the work. You know, we have to let go of some of these things. It's like, okay, now I'm, if I'm doing stuff in the gross realm and I'm doing it on an emotional thing, okay, then do that work and really be present to it. You know, and that's why I, say, I said in the beginning, you know, simplifying is really important. Mm-hmm. Also taking time to be curious and present with our process and where we're at. that's And that's a challenge, you know, that's a, that can be a challenge in, no matter what we're working on. But that's so rich, that's where we get to experience the richness of our life is by slowing down and being with whatever these maps point to, you know. Um, and I think too, for folks who favor the mind and perception of the mind, you know, and um, having insights and discernments, it can be very easy to first oh, I know this thing. I can see it. I can see it. And then we don't spend as much time with it. Like maybe we just touch in, you know, experientially, and then we move on. And again, part of that's great. That's a strength, right? Mm-hmm. But that that's why I really encourage folks to slow down, you know, and to let things permeate, you know, to um, really sniff it out and know it intimately. So, you know, Dogen the one of his famous quotes is uh, what is enlightenment it's intimacy with all things so embodiment includes becoming much more intimate with our life our experience mm-hmm. in whatever ways that happens you know um yeah so i do really like th- these maps and models and i'm actually working on writing this up in a more comprehensive manner and uh um and definitely l- hugely inspired by Ken's work, you know, and I think, again, it's super helpful to have a reference and say, where am I working, what am I working on right now? And then to get to the the nitty gritty of doing it. Okay. So, yeah. And again, we can dive into any a number of things with the, the maps and models or for the hands on practical skillful means bit too. So, I'm not sure uh, wh- what direction we should plow into next.
0: Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I definitely want to get into the skillful means because I think that that yeah. actually bridges this conversation yeah. into uh, what we want to cover next, which is yeah. which is, um, you know, we've been talking about what are our definitions of of uh, embodiment and how is an integral approach to embodiment a little bit different than some of the approaches coming from previous altitudes. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Green, how Green often has a relationship with embodiment that is to the exclusion. Of other aspects other facets of of our Mm -hmm. experience it's to the exclusion uh, of our intellect it's to the exclude you know it's it's yeah and and oftentimes i think green spirituality can be can be enacted in a similar way where it's like i have my my spirituality that's over here in this bucket of my life yeah rest of my life over there and i think that with integral there's sort of a a a dissolving of those boundaries where spirituality embodiment these things don't become sort of an isolated experience where you know i i I experience these things when i'm on the cushion but then guess what i get off the cushion and i go about the rest of my life yeah it's more about well no you're actually taking that cushion with you uh wherever you go in all yeah
1: yeah and so here what i would say too though that um you know i've experienced you know i've been part of the integral community for quite a long time at this point. So I've had my own journey unfold over time and also with peers and friends. And one thing that can happen though, that's a distraction. So one, so splitting off of things, you know, or, or even seeing them at odds with one another, like spirituality and my work life or spirituality and relationships and sex, they don't go together or whatever. Okay. So we get past that, right? We say, oh, that's not an issue. All these things are, and that's one of the beautiful things that Ken has done with his work is to give us permission to say, oh, all this can go together. Okay. But one thing that can happen though is instead of separating things off, we create fragmented buckets where we say we like all the buckets, but they're not actually part of a whole, right? Like in our own experience, it's not a whole experience. And so, you know, that's in using, you know, Wilbur's term when we talk about ons, you know, and being whole, you know, that's, it's a whole experience, right? So our Spiritual experiences, relationships, these are not just things that exist as buckets, but it's our whole experience happening all at once, which is why I mentioned that quote earlier. So I think that's an important shift. So in I don't know if I'm gonna end up having a single definition where it's just like a sentence with a period on it. Mm -hmm. I haven't decided this yet, but so more right now I'm I'm speaking about principles or tenets of embodiment because the way that we're talking about embodiment includes an a lot includes everything, but here the key is making it our lived experience, you know, that's the deal. And so going from fragmentation to including more, but, and of course we're using some of these words like including in the, in the sense of we, we mean an integral or not just, you know, smashing all things together into a big pot, you know, and we,
0: yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, I and mean, we're recognizing developmental stages and things like that. Um, but it, it's really, for me, about a lived experience, which is why, in the practical sense, we can only do so much at any given time. Right. And one of the, if I have a, a tenet that I would throw out there, one is, again, that some of these things we realize in any given moment, like, for example, the non-dual nature of our existence and of life. We, that's just, it's a realization. It just is. Mm-hmm. It's true, no matter what and no matter when. Um, but then part of our experience is unfolding and infolding. So there can't be a finish line. So I think that's an important point, especially amongst us integral folks. There's a sense of like we're we're going somewhere, right? You know, I and mean, we see more, we're including more, you know. But there's a letting there needs to be a letting go of it. So in, in terms of waking up, there are there are endpoints, right? Depending on where you're at in the in in a map, you know, there's like, okay, now I'm here, okay, now I'm causal, okay, now I'm non-dual, great, all right, totally legit, you know, but uh, in terms of our lived experience, it's mysterious, paradoxical, you know, and um, it's always unfolding, so I think holding that sense, so like, and in terms of practicality, I would say, feel into yourself, you know what I mean, so anybody listening to this is feel into yourself, where do you, what do you feel, and I don't mean necessarily emotions, it could be any sort of feeling level of like, how, how do you feel about that? Do you feel that permeate your body? Do you feel it permeate your experience that life is like this? Or do you feel certain resistances, certain twitches, or it could be anything like a, a retreat, or it could be a gag reflex, it could be anything, basically, that says, even though your mind says, yep, the rest of you says, hmm, I don't know about that. I kind of like a finish line. I think there's a finish line. <laughs> okay, well, that's something to investigate compassionately you know, embracing a lot of embodiment is also embracing, (laughs) you know? Um, And again, in all directions. So uh, another phrase that comes up for me a lot is kind of like in the spirit of um, Zen koans is show me. Mm. That's the thing. It's like, okay, so let's have the conversations. Okay. So we're going to talk about causal body. Okay. Show me, show it to yourself, you know, experience it directly. Let the map drop, let the perspective taking drop and, and inhabit that. And if that, and whatever we're inhabiting should feel like we're including more, not we're trying to conjure or we're or, or being contriving or something. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're including what's here and we're diving into it more fully, you right. know, more fully to our unfolding. So, sure. yeah.
0: No, it's, it's, it's beautifully said, Ryan. And one, one of the things I'm, I'm reflecting on as you're talking is, um, just how right on schedule I think this conversation is and just this sort of, um, you know, venturing into these waters of, of embodiment. Yeah. Um, how important that is, I think, I feel from what I see, uh, for the Integral Project as a whole.
1: Yeah, I mean, I The Integral
0: Project is so, I mean, again, like I said earlier, it's it, it, it tends to be such heady stuff. Now, you know, Ken's work is, is you know, it's often described as, it's, it's, an, it's a model of enactment. It's... Um, it, it, in other words, it includes embodiment in it. Yes. It actually calls for embodiment within the model itself. Yeah. But obviously, the way you learn about the model is you you know you read these massive 800-page books and you 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 know sort of metabolize it uh, in your mind and in your heart and find ways to practice and express and embody this you know in your own way. Yes. According to sort of you know your own, the vicissitudes of your own life. Yeah. Um, but, you know, because, because we tend to learn this material through things like books, yep. or through, you know, online discussions on places like Integral Life or these videos or audio dialogues, um, you know, it, it, it's very cerebral. It's very, yep. very, cerebral. even though it's calling us for embodiment, we don't actually consume this material in a, in a very embodied way, at least not most of us. And then yep. you take into consideration the fact that the Integral Project is – is, you know is um, uh, finding its traction in the era of social media yeah itself an incredibly disembodied uh, you know, form of communication um, yeah. and, and this presents its own problems you know I, I, I firmly believe yeah.
1: that. you right.
0: know, we have to the, one of the reasons why this work is so important is because we need to consciously bring as much embodiment through our online interactions as we unconsciously do when we're face to face.
1: Yeah. Well, and on the topic of social media, some I've gone in other ways sometimes where because of the structure and very nature of some of the social media platforms, you know, because it's not just social media platforms as a category of existence. It's Facebook, the company who creates, you know, a particular algorithm and shapes that we don't necessarily ourselves have. Much influence over we more passive participants in the underlying structure. That you know, I've chosen to have less conversations because I feel it's actually, it's impossible to have um, the embodied conversations that we want to have. That's not necessarily that it's not impo- it's impossible to have embodied conversations online because that's totally not true. You and I chat on Slack all the time and it feels great. So, one of it, part of embodiment for me includes how I respond to the world it doesn't necessarily dictate what I'm going to, how I'm gonna respond. But for example, social media, I felt into it. I was trying to have conversations around politics and whatnot. I just kept finding out that even regardless of people's intention, the nature of the platform right now is incredibly, it's going against it. It's going, it's, it's a headwind, you know, and it's incredibly difficult. So I just, I, you know, I don't wanna do that. So I just decide not to have those kind of conversations as much on there, you know, and try to find out better ways to participate. And in, in continuous conversations or better ways to innovate and you know have that uh, those those combos. I think that happens a, a lot better with um, what I've seen in the integral community. you know, I've seen you host some really engaging, intense conversations on Facebook. So I think with the right curators and facilitators, things can go much better. anyways, you know, I and I also agree that it's really needed right now. I mean, there's two things that I've have felt pretty strongly about in recent years, and one is, embodiment as we're talking about here and I and I'm debating more and more of like how I'm going to use that term um, because I realize one it's not really well defined actually like when we go when I go out looking in the world people use the word but nobody's really try to put it on lockdown the way that for example Ken will commit you know he'll, he'll create um, maps and say here's what I mean by this word here's how I define it et etc cetera, etc cetera. people haven't really done that so it might lean towards this somatic experience but here we're talking about more full um inhabiting of our life um and then integral you know like i think right now compared to when i first came to it like I don't know, 20 years ago um it's uh, it's real time needed now like we're experiencing it as like it's the it's the rubber meets the road and i don't think people i don't think we're going to be able to do this without you know growing uh, a bit and and stretching developmentally. Um, Like, it's just, it's a necessity. It's not an ideal now, which I think is really great for, for the, the explicit integral community, you know, Um, because before it might've felt a little bit more ideal because we didn't have enough real world punching at us, you know, and saying like, you know, it was like, yeah, we're, this makes a lot of sense, you know, but unless you were in academia, you know and and dealing with like the edges of society you weren't really feeling like we are today i don't think you know with pluralism being the you know kind of center of our society now you know it's like it's real time which this is all kind of like a side discussion but i i feel like it's really needed and because it's needed it's really helpful practice it makes it easier because it's less likely that we will remain an idealism and say like no i gotta figure this shit out yeah you know
0: yeah, no, that's, a, that's a, I think, a really interesting point, because I, I too, you know, I think that, um, you know, I often say things like, I think Ken was about 20 or 30 years ahead of his time. Oh, he,
1: I've, I've been saying that, too, lately. Yeah, yeah. I think so. He, he,
0: he, you know, laid this groundwork before the life conditions, to use spiral dynamics language, before yep. the life conditions that really would usher in these, you know, uh, spiral dynamics calls it yellow, Ken calls yep. it T. But yep. these integral waves... Of development, um, you know, it, I, I think that Ken was was really building this foundation before those life conditions really presented. Themselves. Yeah, yeah, totally. And yep. now here we are. And I'll, I'll say that integral embodiment um, without these life conditions versus you know integral embodiment with these life conditions it, it, it feels very qualitatively different. It's a different yep. kind of experience. Yeah. Because if, something, if there's there's an important there's an urgency that comes online when you actually start being able to discern these, again, these life conditions that are shaping around us and are demanding more integral responses. And then the embodiment piece comes in because, you know, you begin to realize, okay, I have an obligation to this. I have a responsibility um, to enact this as fully and as responsibly as I possibly can. um, Just, just within my own sort of sphere of influence so that, uh, you know, so that we can continue sort of taking forward.
1: Yeah. And yeah. And when you said my sphere of influence, that's another way in which we can simplify in terms of skillful means and practice. And it's not to say limit our limit ourselves and limit our impact on the world. You know, it's like if depending on our, you know, roles in life and jobs and things like that, we may have a quite large impact. But we should feel at least most comfortable and most attuned to our immediate life, our immediate surroundings. So if you're in a relationship like that's your you know your number one locale you know if you have a family it's like how to you know the people you have contact with every day the things you're doing every day you know to have maximum intimacy with that you know and then from there you can expand out you know in terms of your impact in the world um, but again we got to get simple enough to find out where do I need to work that's right what's my practice right now. And I think too, you know, for example, when we talk about um, integral life practices and, you know, we've had the, um, I don't know where that's evolved to since back in the day, but, you know, like capital ILP mm-hmm. um, integral practices. Um, again, we are, we have that awareness of of paying attention to multiple dimensions of our lived experience. Um, and I know when I first came across ILP, you know, what it was 20 years ago like that i was like hell yeah i'm gonna create this superhuman you know like awesome thing i'm gonna max out on all these uh developmental lines and whatnot and it's just there's it's if it were possible that'd be great but it's just not it's not possible in in a one moment you know what i mean like over the course of a lifetime like how where i've come from in 20 years i've developed a lot you know but it's taking time you know where an entire year i might be focusing on one aspect you know and going really deep with that but then it, it holds you know it's now me, myself is what I take myself as changes, you know, and Mm -hmm. so it sticks. So I think that's why I really encourage the intimacy, the personability, the applicability to life. I think for me, that's what starts pushing something from um, mere concepts to um, embodiment as I'm using the term. Mm -hmm. But Those reference points are incredibly helpful because otherwise we wander a bit. And I would say, you know, we've been talking about folks who might be too cerebral, but goodness, I mean (laughs) if we're gonna generalize here and talk about, you know, a green meme and pluralism, it's like there's so much damn reactivity that there's no discernment. You know, the and so there's always we can always favor, whether it's developmentally or for some other reason, trauma and things like that, we can favor one aspect, which is both our strength and our obstacle. And what we're trying to do is incorporate more of who we are. So it's like, can I have my, m- the power of my mind and my power of discernment operating at the same time as my uh, ability to love, my ability to sense my environment, you know, to feel things directly? You mm-hmm. know? Um, and when all those are happening at once, a, a response can arise. And again, who knows what that response is going to be? So I also tend to be I also tend to favor letting a response arise versus trying to go right to what it what things should be, you know, yeah. but then allowing all these things to operate, in which case I get I get to leverage my discernment, I get to leverage my love, I get to leverage, you know, my power and all of that. And then I get to trust it, right? So that's another aspect of this, is that we trust experience more, we trust our responses. Mm-hmm. And if everything usually it's flipped around a lot. If the more disembodied we are, the more that's flipped around. That's right. And then sometimes maybe our response ends up being a fine response, but the experience of it, the depth and breadth of it, you know, is usually not as right. strong. Yeah. Well, it
0: seems to be, you know, the main difference between a response and a reaction is the yep. amount of conscious awareness that you're bringing to it. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're always going to get it right. Yep. Right? I no, mean, exactly. We're still going to fuck up. Yeah, uh, we're going we're gonna to fuck up in a more consciously aware kind of way.
1: And yes, and and that will provide really great information, you know, which is why it's it seems a little counterproductive to at first to say, well, I'm just going to let this fucked upness operate and, and observe it because we're like, no, let's get rid of the fucked upness. Right. But it, usually when we blast past that, we lack discernment, actually, you know, because we're not willing enough to sit with it. So even with emotional challenges, I was working with a student today. And, you know, we were working on a constriction and, and she was, she's very insightful, like can tune into things really quickly. And I was encouraged her to sit with it more, sit with this constriction a little bit more, befriend it, you know, because in that befriending, we're going to learn so much more about ourselves, about life, about others. And then we get to bring that online and into whatever our response is, you know, right. and that's, so that's great. Um, but other, if we don't do that, we miss on the learning we miss yep. on the nuance, the subtlety of, of, and the complexity,
0: right. You know? Which you can't get to without developing that sort of resiliency, which I think is, is,
1: resilience, is yes. the
0: fruits of, of an embodiment practice is it does yes. it do that, that, you know, you feel yes. that unmovable mountain within yourself.
1: Yes, this is very key. The resilience part. And that's what actually was coming up for me in talking about this. Um, Yeah, to feel that we are resent that we can allow for that, you know, we don't have to bulldoze and and blast it that we can trust in the process. Um, When and what's great in terms of an embodiment practice is to notice like if I have a reaction to that if I have a reaction to say, Okay, what if I What if I just sit here with this fully as present as I can be. I'm not trying to ignore it. I'm trying to just sit here, you know, and yeah. Let, let the experience arise. Well, do I, what do I feel about that? Do I feel some trepidation? Mm-hmm. Okay. Notice that. Do I feel scared? Do I feel angry? Mm. Okay. Notice that. So that this is where, you know, things like waking up and growing up can merge. I can leverage my, my ability to witness and to to hold space in this growing up and, and, and healing. So I can say, oh, Yeah, anger comes up. Okay, do I understand that anger? Mm, No, it's kind of mysterious to me at the moment. Why am I so pissed off?
0: Mm.
1: To not even blast past. Well, I'm pissed off because it's it's objectively bad, right? Okay, but let's dig a little deeper. That's true. That can be true at the same time, right? That's object. Whatever the situation is, objectively bad. But what is my? Do I have other things that are going on there? You know, and especially and often most of us do. We got stuff from childhood and things growing up and experiences that have impacted us in a way. And we can sniff that out, you know, and say, okay, let me work with that directly. And then I'm going to have an even deeper capacity to trust. So we don't have to, again, have an ideal and say, well, the ideal is to be so open and so trusting. And now I'm going to try to posture. That's the thing is I'm going to try to posture as if this is my reality. But it's not right in this moment. And that's where the juice is at. Like, that's one of the biggest things I see if anybody, as soon as that shift happens, oh, everything gets easier but if if we're really attached to having to be an ideal we it's just more painful it's it's more pain and we miss out on the deep learning that would help us realize that ideal mm-hmm. so for me in in the practical sense is i want people to fall in love with the process and the practice you know and informed by a great framework so it's not like we're just wandering and meandering because it's not the same thing again i think this would be something that could be used in a pluralistic sort of sense of like let's just sit in the process and there's no discernment but but again we can feel that out is that like an actual it's an authentic response from that from that perspective but you know or are we just avoiding do we feel a tension like don't start being discerning you know i don't you know, don't tell me what to do. Don't, you know, whatever. Okay. But if it's, but that's what I'm talking about here. It's like a legit opening and embracing and being ready to respond. So that's the other thing too, is like, even though I'm sitting here saying, okay, let's invite in all of our experience. When a response arises, listen and enact it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that would happen. I, that's what I also find that will happen. Like, so if we're really present, a response will arise or a constrictive movement will arise to, to withhold that movement. So for example, you know, if we see somebody in pain, there seems to be a natural, so long as we can understand that pain. So let's just make it simple. Like somebody physically is hurt. There's going to be a natural response unless we have some, I mean, a brain injury or something that limits our capacity. We're going to feel, Oh, Mm -hmm. that person's hurt. That's going to happen. I think that's, True, wherever we're at, we're going to have a natural response. But if we feel some way, oh, no, there's a constriction, I shouldn't do that. So these are all things we can start noticing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so I know I'm wandering a little bit here, but this is the nature of kind of diving in the depths of our experience and practice.
0: Yeah, know. no, and it's all, it's all well said. And, and I, I like how you sort of frame this uh, you know, with ILP, with Integral Life Practice. Yeah. You know, Ken, one of Ken's sort of shorthands for Integral Life Practice has become uh, simply grow up, wake up yeah and show up yeah what you've been talking about this whole time is is bringing the embodiment pieces to each of these so there's an embodiment piece that comes with growing up and in this course in particular which which i took uh with you you know one thing there there are a lot of growing up practices now it's particular Mm -hmm. types of growing up like i've noticed for myself it was um you know uh uh I was able to feel growth in my own kinesthetic line and particularly in how I relate mm-hmm. kinesthetically with my emotional being and my spiritual being and all that. Um, it's, it's subtle, it's gentle because growth practices take a long time. Yes. But it created that much more leverage for me and I could feel that. I could feel mm-hmm. the type of, of freedom that it, that it produced for me. And yeah. then there's the wake up experience and how you're grounding this embodiment in that sort of effortless witness awareness. Yes. Um, and 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 again, it's the, you're not you're not you're not framing it in such a way that these two are so radically different that alongside yeah. this embodiment comes with this this sort of formless resilience. Yes. And they, and they, exactly. They, they, they're 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 seamless in a certain kind of way. Um, and then you've got uh, embodied shadow work, and yeah. um, you know you you actually have a really great practice in the course itself, and one mm-hmm. that you did uh, in one of our group coaching calls. Mm-hmm. That was powerful. And one of the things, Ryan, that, that came up out of that when we were talking about uh, how refreshing it was to take a more embodied approach to shadow work
1: mm-hmm. was,
0: was you know, I remember a bunch of us uh, during one of those calls saying, you know, this has been precious to me precisely because I am so good at bullshitting myself.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. And the embodied yeah. shadow practice gave me a way to sort of cut through my own bullshit, to cut through yep. my own chatter um if i am if i'm doing you know a three two one practice or really any kind of shadow practice uh, and i'm only doing it from sort of head up right a lot that we're missing there's a lot of sensation there's a lot of vitality there's a lot of energy there's a lot of you know oftentimes we can um bypass things you know like anger and resentment and these sort of Mm -hmm. lower emotions because Mm -hmm. we're we're being so cerebral about it and we're actually sort of playing shadow games With ourselves while doing these shadow practices, and bringing this embodiment piece, what I noticed is it gives you it gives you fewer ways.
1: Yes, you know
0: what I mean. Fewer hide.
1: And I want to say that's I think that's right on, and I appreciate you sharing that. And what I've noticed too is it gives fewer ways out, but it makes it so much more inviting. Like that's what I say. Like any allergy to doing, say, a more full-bodied shadow work practice, like it just creates a nice opening so i i i've seen a lot in in some relational you know emotional work communities where confrontation seems to be like the currency of like that's how we grow you know is through through that and sometimes that may very well be where a person's at you know a person may be like maybe they haven't owned their power and so they're coming to their power and they like they're gonna get into some ruffles you know because they need to feel what that's like because human relationships are not perfect. They're kind of messy. So if you're going to embody your power, you might get pissed off and you might get into a fight, you know, whatever. Okay. Mm -hmm. But that's not the only way to exist. So I want to make that this is a really important point is that it gives you fewer ways to, to get lost in protective mechanisms that keep you out of touch with yourself, but it doesn't in an inviting way. That's right. I think that's really important. Um, So it's not like a shock to your system because I think that's the thing is like people can be allergic to being in the body for different reasons. And then shadow work stuff can be scary. That yeah. stuff was, that stuff got in place because it served a protective functional mechanism at the time it arose. Right. You know, so like it protected us from being too overwhelmed. And it was a survival mechanism. So it has its, it's due respect in a certain way,
0: yeah.
1: but this it, it's, it's gentle. And as soon as I, I find, as soon as anybody does enough of it, ah, again, things open up and says, okay, cool. I trust this. I'm willing to do more. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's, we're going to have less challenges to work with. It's just like, it opens the door a little bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's tremendously important. And also because a lot of times when we're doing shadow work, it produces feelings of anxiety. Yeah. And anxiety has a mental component to it, but it's really something that we feel with our body. Anxiety takes place in the body. And if yeah. we're already in an anxious state, when we're trying to do this work, then you can count on, you've got all sorts of blind spots um, and resistances that are preventing you from yes. really bringing awareness to the aspects of your being that are yes. that are crying for more awareness. Yes. Because anxiety is uncomfortable. And, yeah. we, you know, we don't like uncomfortable uh, feelings and sensations. We, yep. we want comfort. And so we bypass the anxiety and we pave yeah. over it. And we do our little three-to-one in a way that is comfortable enough for us to enact without, you know, really, I think, being yeah. really anxious about it. And yeah. the embodiment piece, I think, helps tone that down a bit. It helps yep. to help simmer that physical uh, anxiety response so that we can get that much more clarity um, and yep. become that much more aware of what is actually in front of us at any given time. Yeah, and There's then so those three ryan so we got grow up wake up clean up all three of which have their embodiment practices now i want to make the transition to what i think is probably the most important one which is embodied methods of showing up yeah um because really you know waking up growing up cleaning up all three of those describe sort of these these processes that we do in our in our consciousness in the upper left quadrant right mm. this is our personal work our yep. inner work. yep Then it comes time to show up, to basically take the fruits of all that work and let them permeate our being in all the other, let let it permeate our our behaviors and our actions and our decisions in the upper right quadrant, sort of our being in the world and our ability to fulfill our needs in the lower right quadrant,
1: Mm -hmm. um,
0: our ability to show up fully uh, in our relationships from our significant others and our kids to our... Mm -hmm friends, and colleagues, and teachers, yeah. and all of that. This is where I think the work gets really, really interesting. And it's, I think, where your course, Embodied Success, really creates um, a unique leverage point for people in terms mm-hmm. of making this transition. You know, Because we come into this, we have these conversations about things like spirituality, and about embodiment, and integral consciousness, and all of it evokes this, this really powerful feeling of abundance. Just, yeah. you know, I mean, within ourselves. And it, it, it starts pouring out our eyeballs. and But yeah. until we find something to do with that, until we find a way to match that interior sense of abundance with an exterior abundance, mm-hmm. right? This is what self-actualization is really all about. Yeah. I think that this is this is what your course does um, really so beautifully be is that, it, you know, the first half the, of the, the course, it's really focused body. on, uh, embodied I mean, wake-up practice, embodied <laughs> uh, grow-up practice, embodied shadow practices. Realms, and then the second half is where all of this comes absent, to your you know, work like in the world, your ability to thrive, to know. your like, ability you know, just to succeed. Physical um, so I figure that's, that's, that's one on of the things that we too. should uh, talk yeah. about yeah. now is yeah. what is success? Mm. Uh, particularly, what is an integral definition of, of success? Mm. I think that you know a lot of times our definitions of success is sort of anchored, associated with, you know, the orange uh, stage of development. And we have the sense that once we move past orange, things like success don't really matter. Anymore. Yeah. And I yeah. Think that's, you know, geez, that's, you're just sort of uh, I I know you don't have the view from orange anymore, but that rung is still, is still pretty damn important. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think integral brings some new sort of uh, uh, qualities and characteristics to how we think about success it's no longer just absolutely amassing well you know wealth hoarding you know in other words it's not the size of your bank account it's your capacity to properly meet your own needs whatever those needs might be wherever in sort of you know maslow's hierarchy you find yourself success is defined by your ability to meet those needs wherever you happen to be um it's a, it's it's like i said it's being able to feel the same sort of abundance in your in your exterior quadrants as you feel in your interior quadrants and most importantly i think it's it's simply you know our 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 ability to thrive to really truly thrive in mm-hmm. all four quadrants you know what i mean your yep. like i said your physio your physical health mm-hmm. your your interpersonal health and mm-hmm. you know your 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 success in the world and your ability to um influence people and to make a difference and to show up in such a capacity that the world is a little bit different uh, because of your will.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That was a great um, transition for this. Um, So a few starting notes. um, The way that I structure this course, I'm just talking about this to make a point uh, more than I am talking about the specifics of the course. So I had, you know, I called the two tracks inner and outer, you know, and actually there's some part of me that doesn't even want to have those split, but practically they need to be, be, to be able to have space to fully tangibly address them. But part of what I do even throughout the whole course is to try to interweave this so that it is a lived integral experience, right? That you never feel that it's separated. And of course there's the the two things we can do here is separate everything, or then try to collapse everything into a big mess, right? And this is just another part of the mystery, a mystery of life and complexity of it. But one thing that I noticed in in our group, and this is like a key sign for me of like what I would hope for, is people finding their seat more. And that's one way I could say it is now. I, now, seat has this idea of being seated rather than action taking, but there's a sense of assurance, you know, of a deeper inhabiting of who I am, who you are and in all context. And that's an important thing where I can move into different contexts. And yeah, maybe the, what's, what I'm addressing changes, but there's a sense of a continuity through it. Mm-hmm. And it really changes how we relate to a lot of things. It'll change how we relate to the inner work. It changes how we relate to the outer work. Um, but the way that we usually we often might do this is again through ideals you know so like i'm doing inner work to achieve an ideal rather than living it from my center and going through that same thing ideals and outer success things like that and i'm chasing that versus pursuing it as a lived embodied response you know so there's a big big difference so i've i wanted to have that permeate this and i would anything i would be doing I want that to permeate my own life and how I'm helping others mm. so um, and you know what's interesting like when we talk about what is success we use inquiry a lot and in, in, uh, I can't remember how many practices are in there but I love inquiry and I use that quite a bit in, in embodied inquiry as well so once we have the foundation of a good embodiment practice um, we can ask questions to ourselves and one of the questions I ask people is to inhabit themselves like really fully and then say, what is success? What's the response? And to just listen. And then to also to notice, if, I, if whatever I say, what do I notice in my experience, whether it's mind, body, heart, emotions, anything, what do I notice? And getting a sense of what is true, as true as could be given where I'm at in life what's true can change obviously through development too. But um, so getting in a much more immediate response is a key here, especially as we go to success. Um, And we could even do from different voices, to be honest, like another thing we could do is say like, you know, ask from kind of gross body, subtle body, different things. What is success? Is it anything I don't know. So we can take these perspectives embody inquiry and see what our response is. And again, we're moving basically from an unconscious reactive response to something that feels lived and true wherever we're at, regardless of how it matches up to any given answer we might've received, whether that was from family or whether that's from um, people who we admire, whether it's a philosopher or whether it's a business person, you know, it's just like, what's, actually true? Where am I actually at right now? So partly, I I use these terms because you have to use something to communicate, right? You can't just, (laughs) there's no way around it. So Mm -hmm. I have embodiment, success, and then that automatically brings up assumptions. But as much as possible, I wanted these things to be just evaporated, you know, in the direct immediacy of a person's experience, like not necessarily dictated by me. So In success, yeah, it could include finances, include any number of things, family, um, uh, lifestyle, whatever. It could include anything. Um, And so, but still, you know, right now, even regardless of what we think about our society and what it should be, we live in a predominantly capitalist society. It has certain constrictions and constraints. And like, for example, money, you got to deal with money. And so that means we're dealing with jobs, we're dealing with businesses, we're dealing with work. And so, yeah, I focus a lot on that because that's part of our lived experience. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to experiment or push the boundaries or try to change it if that is part of our mission in life. That could be a success. It's like, I'm going to uproot what success is. Okay, that's part of what I want to do. You still have to tangibly do something. You still have to tangibly enact. So just because you want to change and, be, and radically change the world doesn't, make you immune from having to walk the damn road that's right you know and you can use all the practices you can find you can use all the maps you can find and yet you're still going to walk that crazy road of life you know and you're going to have to know how to navigate it so that's why i lean so much towards and one of the big things i in this program is like you know I try to say over and over, I'm not going to give you a formula because it's so opposite to empowering you, you know, for you to be empowered yourself. Like I think in terms of inner work, you know, when I'm just doing strictly that and teaching, I want, I want to make myself irrelevant in a certain way. Like, and the same thing in coaching, you know, it's just like, how can I literally empower you that you it's, it's your own experience and you find your own way and you're, you're resilient, you're adaptable, you're responsive you know um so those are important for me to preface anything before we dive into success um and you know so aside, and,
0: and huh? re- just real briefly ryan you know one of the things that um strikes me as, as i'm listening to you talk is is how you're 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 positioning this course in the market in a really interesting way yeah in a way that i think is 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 trying to thread a few different yeah needles and really difficult needles mm-hmm. um you know on the one hand we have this sort of general allergy that a lot of people feel around money and spirituality yes and we could probably spend three hours just talking mm-hmm. about that yeah, yeah. A really great piece that we have published on the site called uh right box and i'll link to it in the description okay great It's a wonderful treatment Yeah. Uh, this issue but the point you know and we at a life we see this resistance um a mm. lot how dare yeah. you charge money uh when you're you know when you're trying to you know yeah yeah, yeah. Content and, yeah and you it's one of the very few industries ryan where somebody actually can come into your office and demand that you do what you do for free um it's it's a yeah i yeah because, and it makes sense to me, there are a lot of abuses. There are There is a lot of spiritual materialism uh, that's out there. And at the same time, money is energy, just like any other energy yep. that's out there. Yep. And we need to learn how to wield energy responsibly. Um, yep. and that's, that's part of what any spiritual practice and any, you know, sort of moral development is, is going to bring to you. Yeah. So that's one sort of needle. Yep, <laughs> yep. Right. The other yeah. needle is, um, you know, I actually just published a piece of content uh, today from that most recent Ken show. Uh, yeah. It was titled uh, The Neoliberalization of Human Potential. Uh-huh. And uh, it was basically w- what I asked Ken, uh, I was referencing a book called Neoliberalism, where she is basically making the case that the rise of the human potential movement took place at the same time as the rise of neoliberal policies, Mm -hmm. Uh, And views that really began saturating beginning in the 1970s and really hitting its sort of crescendo in the 80s and and into the 90s and up till today Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: uh, Part of the critique that she brings to it is that you know What what neoliberalism did to the human potential movement is it made it a little bit overly individualistic Yeah, a little bit overly competitive. So instead Mm -hmm. of looking at you know, for example, um, what are the, the, you know, what are the potentials of, of what we together can do? Yep. This is more like what are the potentials that you as an individual have? And, you know, later on it becomes how are you failing your own potentials, which creates all sorts of neuroses and anxieties and depression and all that. And out of that comes the self-help movement of the 1980s. Yep. Yeah. You know, right on time to answer, you know, to answer to uh, the symptoms of as I said, anxiety and depression that are being produced both by the human potential movement and by neoliberalism in general. And yeah. then, fast forward a couple decades, and we get another emergence of what we might call the personal productivity or personal mm-hmm. efficiency or self-brand yep. movement, which yep. also, you know, is part of that legacy of human potential in a lot yep. of think, really important and interesting ways. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people can look at the course embodied success this is just another example of sort of neoliberal commodification of spirituality now i think we would probably push against that um a little bit oh that's fair yeah i wanted to get your your yeah
1: no it's really hard so i can tell you to be honest given everything you said i'm still in the midst of saying how is this going to be received well you know what i mean because I, i feel comfortable and confident you know Coming from where I'm coming from, so I don't particularly have a. That's that's fine, you know, to have those criticisms, and um, I don't think they hold true. Um, You know, they might hold true in a certain sense of that. Like I'm not totally bucking the existing system because I. Even I think it's good to to push the system and try to change it, in our society. It's just that's going to take time, and in the meantime. Everybody's paying their, their bills. So for me, I'm trying to hold a complexity here and not I'm trying to not be naive or too idealistic here um, and do, I'm trying to hit a certain bandwidth there and that's not the best bandwidth. It's just, that's where I'm going for, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and this whole thing, especially with spirituality and money and things like that, there's a few things, like one is like not going backwards to assume that that's going to be more evolved and Ken talks about this, I mean, as a core, you know, that just because you don't like what's happening doesn't mean we should just revert backwards and hold on to the past you know like it's that's not the world we live in we don't mm. live in a world of monks going around with bowls you know right um and that's just just absurd that's just not what we're doing and i know there's gonna be people who are hardcore about that you're gonna hate that i say that but you know whatever um it's not and, an
0: agrarian world anymore it's not yeah. spirituality anymore yeah
1: we're just not we're not we're not there you know it's a there's so many ways that would be a whole nother thing to just point that out, but I'm just going to say, go read a Wilbur book, you know, (laughs) Uh, and also we, we don't know what's coming next. So like if we, if it's emerging, we're part of that. So I get that there's something about, well, we don't know what's next, but we can be a part of that. Right. So And that means like somehow existing in the system that we're at and not just trashing everything because it's like what is good about this and what's not good about it so that means we can't just like revert backwards and we can't just rush to say like well here's the new thing and that's how it should be so partly i'm just sitting with that and i think i i would say that that partly is a practice of embodiment of just sitting with that paradox and complexity and saying like you know i while at one hand i don't think what came before is like what we should keep doing um i also find a lot of problems with how things are. You know, there's a lot of things in capitalism that I, I really personally dislike. And I want to work towards some new solutions. And I'm going to work with what I got in this moment too. So that's what embodied success does. But I also can understand, I just don't know, like, because I think a lot of people look for one or the other, They're like, oh, I, I just want feel good, emotional embodiment coaching you know and who cares if i make something happen to the world and or it's just like no i want dollar signs i want a formula i want all these things and i say this regardless of however how everybody labels themselves there might be a lot of people who label themselves integral but i can see that how easy it would be to just go one of the two just like screw it because it's harder honestly to do what i'm saying but i think it's more rewarding it's it's It feels better. The reason why I took a long time to even offer a kind of coaching program is because I didn't want to just do the same old shit Mm. because I think it lets people down. I don't think it serves them just flat out. So I didn't want to do that, but I think this serves people more. Now, um, and you know, what's funny though, in terms of spirituality and and money. So obviously I'm not against charging for things. Although I love experimenting with models and uh, Vince Horn, our good friend, um, my co-founder with Buddhist Geeks, he's pioneered a cool model uh, called Transparent Generosity and um it's working really well it's really cool you know and it's an experiment i i think it works phenomenal in the context that he's doing it in and um, i'm going to be experimenting with it some too and in a different context not with embodied success but um uh, i don't know if it would apply easily to everybody i don't know if everybody could just adopt it today and that's going to work you know but i like i think it's cool to experiment now in terms of What's typically happened, what I see a lot is a lot of people who are maybe either spiritual teachers or in that realm, you know, of like doing something spiritually, you know, and if they amount a certain number of followers or dollar signs, it all of a sudden seems to communicate that they know what the fuck they're talking about. And they might, Mm -hmm. but they totally might not. But there's just a system in place of capitalism of the dollar sign and numbers equaling you've achieved something because you've accumulated so much. It doesn't reflect anything about your interiors or your depths. So I have that criticism where I'm just like, and people are so overwhelmed with information. There's so much out there. There's so much to choose from that I think what people are craving is depth. I think people are craving um, embodiment, as we've discussed. So I could have taken the easy way out and tried to just like uh, blow myself up and create a nice image of hotness and success and try to promise all that bullshit to everybody and uh whatever that might have worked just fine as far as putting dollar signs in, in my bank account but i can't do it it makes me want to vomit you know um it, it violates my principles so this is just my own personal relationship to it where i'm like i feel all of this everything we're talking about i feel with it and really in a sense i'm wrestling with all of it and this is my most appropriate response that i have given the situation and, but really I invite people into that. Like, I think through this program, I want people to get in touch with that authorship side of themselves and saying like, well, how, what is your response when to do it? Make sure it's a mature response. Make sure you're not leaving shit out. Make sure you're not like, you know, staying off in, you know, um, interior bliss realms and make sure you're not getting lost in just, you know, the nitty gritty or, or um, appeals of financial success. Like, how do you hold both, okay. you know? Yeah. And, and I'm trying to help people cultivate ways of holding both. And what the answer is for any particular business, I don't, I'm not gonna know. But that's how it should be. Yep. <laughs> yep. So I don't know. If,
0: when you know, I asked the question, you know, I framed it as, as you know, I see, I see you trying to thread yes. these two needles. Yep. Um, you know, what I should have said is I see you successfully threading these two needles. Because I think that, you know, that was all a wonderful answer and, and thank you for that and for sort of your reflections and insights into that. Yep. And it's, you know, I think a lot of people are going are gonna to be glad to know that, you know, these are, these are questions you think about, that this weighs on you yep. uh, in a kind of way. I also think that the course itself really answers this question. Because, you know, one of the big criticisms of what neoliberalism has done to things like spirituality and human potential and all of that is it's reduced everything. It's reduced all of our qualities yes. to quantities. Uh, yes. It's reduced your yeah. sense of inner value to, yep. ex- to the value you can create in the exteriors for yourself or for other people. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, 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 the one I mentioned to Ken in the call was like, even, you know, even Timothy Leary's original message of like, use psychedelics to, you know, t- turn on, tune in and drop yeah. Up. yeah, Even that has changed to the point where now people are using psilocybin uh, in Silicon Valley in order to increase their productivity yeah, and right. to give them an edge when competing with other people. So yeah. this really has come full circle. It's not oh, absolutely experience anymore. It's about how much value is this going to create for me? Yeah.
1: And, and that's yeah. a, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I would agree. Yeah, like, I definitely, I think my, my program does do that. Like, I'm, I'm, I very clearly have a response to that. And I'm not, I'm not falling into that, that way of going about things for sure. Like, that's, I don't think that serves people anymore. I think that perpetuates a certain amount of suffering individually and collectively. And so, um, yeah, I'm 100% clear on that, for sure. And I'm glad that was your experience.
0: Well, Ryan, you know, one other thing I wanted to say was, you know, again, I took this course um, with you uh, and I took, you know, we did, we did sort of the, the group coaching calls yep. uh, and I think we did for something like 12 weeks. It was, it was a really, yeah, we did a
1: longer, yeah, we did a longer version of it.
0: And it, it was, it was amazing. I mean, it was absolutely amazing for me. Um, you know, these days I find that I have more responsibilities here at integral life than ever before. Yeah. Yeah. And when I'm working every day from home, on yep. a laptop, yep. pretty much by myself, yeah. again, it gets so easy to slide into disembodiment. to yeah. so have this weekly checkpoint mm. right? That just, that just allowed me to, um, to do exactly that, to check yeah. in. To like, okay, how, how embodied or disembodied am I feeling right now when I'm writing this piece of copy? Or yep. when I'm sending this email or I'm doing this dialogue with someone? Yep. Where am I at? And simply yes. developing that, that habit, that that sort of self yes. of like, okay, Great. before you open your big mouth, why don't you find your seat? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and sort of, so, so that I can actually trust in some sort of emergence. I can trust that, you know, this conversation is going to move smoothly and I don't need Good to right. have it all sort of diagrammed yeah. out before, before I approach it and, and yeah. we can sort of be together. Um, yeah. I found it tremendously valuable for me. And, and um. You know, there's actually on the the embodied success page. There's a, there's a testimonial that I and the other people in the group uh, came up with around our experiences of the course. And I definitely invite you guys, um, everyone watching to check it out. It was was some really powerful experiences.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you bring that up. I've, I've, I mean, obviously, that's my personal experience of the things I've been sharing, but um, yeah, I noticed that with anybody I work with, where this natural emergence of checking in with oneself and a deeper trust just naturally happens. And that's another really crucial sign. And it happens. Honestly, I'm always impressed at how quickly that can happen. You know, this orientation switch to um, in embodiment, How we're saying, there's still all the journey. There's still all, all kinds of things to work with. But what you described was, is very accurate. And I say that with like delight and some surprise. I don't, not surprised at my own experience, like that's, that's what it's been, but to witness that too in the people I'm working with, it just, it's confirmed over and over again for me where I'm, I'm wow, you know, mm. this is such a beautiful switch for people and, and, and shift for themselves. It's very deep. Right. Um, and you know, in, in the, the program that's on Integral Life, um, we have those practices in there. So, you know, you, you're, you're touching in with these things constantly. And of course, what we mentioned, it was a group coaching, which is an even deeper version of that. And it's hard to even describe. Yeah. Like what the experience is like with doing this with others.
0: That's, um, that's I think where a lot of this really comes alive.
1: Yeah. Like the, the lessons provide an amazing foundation um, and immediately I, I think people will get a lot out of it and then taking it into a deeper lived experience just by doing it, these things in a group and experiencing the support, like mindedness, like heartedness. Uh, yeah, it's turbocharged, <laughs> you know, um, just just the mere presence, you know, of others and, and sharing like that. So, yeah. yeah, obviously I highly recommend it, but that's based off of definitely your experience and the others in the group.
0: Well, I definitely found you um, a tremendously skillful and masterful coach. And that's not just because we're homies. <laughs> I, I was not paid yeah. to, to say that. Well, I was paid to say that. Yeah. I really appreciated how you held that space um, and made this such a meaningful experience for all of us who were involved. It was, it was it was, really tremendously beautiful. And then before we go, Ryan, I think the last thing I want to talk about is, yep. uh, you know, who really is this course for? Yep. Um, on the one hand, you, know, you, you take a look at it and you say, okay, this is, this is a course for entrepreneurs, yep. um, which I, I think is great. The, inter, the integral audience is a tremendously entrepreneurial audience. Yes. This yeah, is something definitely. I've seen over the last 10 or, you know, particularly in the last 10 or 15 years, where all of these integral offshoots um, have sort of been growing up through the cracks. And it's yep. been amazing to see. Yeah, um, you know some better than yeah. others, of course. Yeah. Like any territory, but it is a very, very entrepreneurial uh, sort of space, and a lot of people are saying, "Okay, you know, I don't want to just you know read about this stuff and learn about it. I want to actually make a living doing, yeah. doing, that, bringing this yes. into the world." Yes. So clearly, this course is is for those people. Um, but what about people who aren't necessarily? Yeah. Or don't
1: own their own businesses. Yeah, well, I'd say a few things. So, obviously, yeah, if you own your own business, 100% easy. Yeah. If you have projects you're wanting to start or that you're a part of, so you may have a job, but you also are initiating other projects in your life, especially things you're passionate about in the world, you know, around integral topics, for example, you know, politics or whatever, this would apply because whether it's a business or a project, all the same things are functioning in it, right? There's there's a vision for the project there's goals for it there's the enactment, execution, the realization of that, and also given this world, the things that we cover in there, for example, if we talk about marketing, we're talking about communicating and reaching people. How do you facilitate that you're going to be doing that yeah. you know if you want people to participate in your project or take action that's what that's what we're doing here you know what I mean it's it's the same thing honestly it's just a different packaging of it, perhaps. Um, I think also, if you're part of a business, um, and you hold a lot of complexity, you know, where you're where you're actually managing uh, both inner and outer aspects for that business, this would be relevant. I think, too, you know, as we discussed, Corey, um, that how we're offering this, and really the super affordable price point of it, I mean, that's just the fact based on <laughs> comparison. Um, the inner practices are incredibly useful, um, I think really applicable to anybody, you know. So, uh, but obviously people with entrepreneurship, um, people on their business and people who manage com- projects or, or enacting those projects in their life, regardless if it's their own business or not, would really benefit from it. And I also wanna say, you know, um, we integral folks, definitely i think prioritize a lot of upper left stuff like we like interiors we like discussions we like um meta you know uh like seeing the big picture of things you still have got to make shit happen all right unless your job is being a philosopher which for some people it is as kim wilber's job you know but you still have to write it. i mean even him like writing a book is no joke you know i've written a few and you like that's a big tangible task. But I'm going to say most people are probably doing something, even if you're heavily motivated by interiors, and that's kind of the work you're doing, you still have to make shit happen. And so for some folks, this could be just like an allergy of like not wanting to do that. But I like, I beg of you, like, for your own sake, you know, like, you got to embrace that, you got to figure out a way to take action to learn from it. If you want to see any real impact. Otherwise, it remains an ideal. And that's a sad thing to just have it be ideal, you know? So I, I think that just bears mentioning, you know, I, and some folks are really action oriented. And, and if I were talking to a different crowd, I might say, please look at your interiorities, but that's not usually the people I'm working with. I, people I work with are gonna have the appreciation for that. But the challenge here is how do I hold all that together? How does this all interact? How do I stop feeling like, even though I believe that all this goes together, how do I actually feel that, you know? because yeah. that's a hard thing because it's like I might you might meditate every day and then you say yeah I'm totally about doing my work and, and making things happen but it still feels like a split so I'm trying to really help you to bridge that so
0: right. no it's 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 just funny to me because you know we're talking about the different kinds of needles that you're that you're trying to thread here yeah and, you know on the one hand you know if you drop this into just a purely embodiment based crowd you're yeah. going to drag them kicking and screaming over into success. And if you drop yes. this into a success oriented sort yes. of audience, you're going to drag them kicking I and know. over into embodiment. Yes. So what better place to drop this than an in integral land?
1: Yeah, this is what I'm hoping for. That's why I said earlier, it's like, you know, I don't know because maybe like, as you said, those two crowds would just be like, no, even though I'm like, please, I'm really sincerely trying to help you. I'm not just trying to sell you on some shit. I'm like, I wanted to help you. Um, and so I think if anybody really gets this, it would be, the integral community, like, cause they, they already embrace that all this stuff goes together. So this is an enactment of it an actual, actually doing it.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, Ryan, this has been such an awesome conversation. Yeah, man. this so has been
1: so fun. fun. I, I look forward to having more.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, that's, let's let people know that Ryan is actually going to be starting to do um, some regular series uh, with us here on integral live. Um, yeah. Fun. I, we're still, I think shaping what that's going to be.
1: Shaping it. Yeah. But, I would that would be a blast and I love talking with you, man.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And um, Ryan, thanks again for everything. I yeah. loved collaborating with you. Um, Likewise. With course. Um, Likewise. I, love, I love promoting it with you and uh, I just love you, man.
1: I love you too, man. It's been such an honor.
0: Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you all for joining us. And again, check out Embodied Success. It is on the courses page of Integral Life. Just cl- click that courses button right above you right there. And uh all Integral Life members get an automatic 20% discount, bringing it down to, I think, $100 for Integral yeah. Life members, which is, this is, this is a, a, a total gimme here. Um, yeah. So yeah, please check it out, guys. I think you'll like what you see. Otherwise, Ryan, thank you so much. I'll talk thank to you, my friend. Sounds and, good. Uh, yeah, thanks, everyone. Okay. Bye now. Embodied Success is an innovative new coaching program by our very good friend, Ryan Olke. Whether you are an entrepreneur, a person who'd like to bring more passion and purpose to your work, or simply someone who wants to increase your embodied wisdom in your daily life, if you want to feel deep wholeness, joy, and confidence in your own embodied success, then this program is for you. The Embodied Success Coaching Program integrates Ryan's 20 years of experience, practice and study of multiple fields, embodiment, business, marketing, meditation, psychology, somatic work, and philosophy. This training integrates all four essential paths of personal development, growing up, waking up, cleaning up, and showing up. The inner lessons are designed to help you with the first three, while the outer lessons help you leverage all of this inner work through innovative management. Management and marketing strategies that will allow you to show up more fully in your life and in your work, fully aligned with your deepest passion, purpose, and embodied wisdom. All supporting members of Integral Life receive an automatic 20% discount off this training program. Just log into your Integral Life account during checkout, and the discount will be automatically applied. It's the same discount you receive for all of our training programs and digital products. If you want to learn more about Embodied Success, we encourage you to go to integrallife.com slash embodied success training to learn more. That's integrallife.com slash embodied dash success dash training.